This episode is brought to you by the official coffee of the Chromecast podcast, Fresh Roasted Coffee, who we've partnered with to make a special edition Chrome Unboxed anniversary blend. Here at Chrome Unboxed, we're not just nerdy about Chromebooks, we're also coffee snobs. And look, we wasted a lot of time hand roasting coffee before we found Fresh Roasted Coffee, and we haven't looked back since. This coffee is roasted fresh to order, immediately packaged, nitrogen flushed and shipped directly to your door. And although we can't officially say that this Chrome Unbox Edition tastes any better than the normal anniversary blend, that is the word around town. But don't just take our word for it. Pick up a bag for yourself and let us know what you think. You can grab a bag over at chromeunbox.com forward slash coffee. Welcome to the Chromecast, the official podcast from Chrome Unbox, where we unpack everything from hardware to software in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS so that you can be more informed on all the latest updates, changes, and devices. So guys, we've got a lot of new Chromebooks coming out. We've got new Chromebooks, new Chrome boxes, uh, some of which were announced at CES and others that are just uh, getting announced on their own. So um, guys, tell me a little bit about these new devices we've got. Yeah, we literally had to make a list um, so that we can try to remember to cover all of the things that have been announced um, because we've got kind of a, a combination of different things happening. So we've got manufacturers having announced education Chromebooks, uh, Chromeboxes and all that kind of stuff, but we've also found uh, some cool new stuff in the repositories too. So we're going to kind of dive into both of those real quickly and mention a few of those. Um, so I'm going to list them off and then we'll, we'll kind of backtrack. So. First off, the things that have been announced uh, just since the beginning of the year, so within the last uh, few weeks, uh, HP has unveiled uh, a Chromebox and some education-focused Chromebooks. Acer has unveiled uh, the Acer 11, the Spin 11, kind of like the consumer version of that uh, device. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. The C732, which is an, an education-focused device. Asus uh, has put out the Chromebox 3. Lenovo uh, put out uh, a few different education Chromebooks. Dell put out a new line of education Chromebooks. And so um, we're just seeing a ton of stuff just kind of show up at the same time. And um, mainly what it seems like a lot of that was centered around the, uh, a couple education shows that yeah, happened yeah, uh, yeah, earlier yeah, this year. The BET show in uh, London and then the uh, FETKE in uh, Orlando. So they were all gearing up and getting ready for that. I think Samsung's really the only one left out of the mix. So. Yeah, um, and we're going to get to something cool with Samsung in a second. But yeah. let's, let's uh, any, any notable stuff? Um, I, I got a couple thoughts. but Yeah, I mean, for me, the big news, I mean, the, all the education devices are awesome. Uh, the Acer's, Acer's new little 11 was really neat just because it kind of, it has a more, a more consumer feel than some of the devices we've seen in the past because mm -hmm. of the design. It's, you know, it's. It's a very inexpensive device. It's two forty nine, I think, to start, yeah. but the 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 body is really nice. The chassis with the blue and the, the kind of has a metallic feel to it. But for me, the Chrome boxes were the big deal. We've been waiting for Chrome boxes for what seems like an eternity, and now we have three KB Lake eighth generation Chrome boxes all launched within the same month, and that's that's going to be huge. Uh, kind of anxious to see what the pricing is going to be on those, but. Uh, they're all looking to be essentially the same uh, as far as uh, processor availability. You can get Celeron all the way up to the 8th generation KB Lake and uh, USB-C and a plethora of uh, USB-A ports on them. So, Yeah, I'm hoping. Like, I, 
the i7s and the Chrome boxes usually are are pretty steep. Uh, something what six seven hundred dollars mm-hmm. at least. Um, I, I'd be shocked if we don't see that. However, uh, knowing that we could maybe have a Core i5 uh, or even you know the i3 um, in in some of these Chrome boxes and hopefully they're still built with the ability to open them up and you know drop more ram and all that kind of stuff that just makes such a compelling package that you can buy something with a small amount of storage and you know a small amount of ram and um and then and then go and and upgrade it yourself for a very small amount of money yeah because especially the asus the new uh, asus looks almost identical to the last generation i'd presume it'll Mm -hmm. probably be pretty easy the acer kind of has the coolest look of all of them but we also know that the acer is it's it could be a pain to take apart we'll just have to wait and see when we get one yeah so for for quick note i uh i upgraded multiple of the asus chrome boxes that have come along and I mean, literally to the point where I can open it up, drop in uh, RAM and storage, 15 minutes tops, and sure. you know, reboot and, and, and be up and going. When I took apart the uh, CXI2, so the Acer's new one is a CXI3, CXI2, I probably had to work on it for an hour and a half because the way it was layered, I had to literally take every part apart in order to get to the pieces that were upgradable. So hopefully they made some changes there. Uh, but there's obviously they're not saying whether or not these are going to be easily upgradable but i can't imagine they're going to solder stuff down on a chrome box that just wouldn't yeah. make any sense so um hopefully it, one, of the, one of the other ones i, I wanted to uh, speak to you real quick was the spin 11 and so that along with everything pretty much we talk about here all the stuff's on chromeunbox.com so if you want to see pictures of this stuff or uh, get more details because um, we're spending a few minutes on this because there's just so many devices coming out um there's there's more stuff there uh, to get more details but the spin 11 uh, we actually had to reach back out to acer and figure out what was going on there because all the specs lined up to look exactly like the current spin 11 but the spin 11 that's out now is a consumer focus or a uh, education focused chromebook this one is going to be a consumer focused one and though it's not aluminum it kind of has more of the aesthetic uh in a plastic version of what the um kind of a little bit of a, a morph between the acer 11 that we saw at ces and the 15 mm. um, kind of has that slightly more metallic look. Again, it's not metal, um, and I want to say it's going to be two two fifty something like yeah, that. Yeah, somewhere around that. So, so essentially, the the uh, education one with a lot of the probably some of the rugged specs stripped away sure. to make it lighter and, and cheaper for for the average consumer. But the spin was really good as far as you know. It had it had a decent screen on it, and the build was really good. And then the, the pen support and stuff was really. Oh, cool. one one thing to point out too: when we met with Acer, uh, the R11, which m- many of you may have, is probably one of the most, arguably one of the most popular consumer models of a Chromebook out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's quite a few different variations of it, and and a lot of people have them. Uh, but one of the biggest complaints with it, or one of the biggest issues, was uh, cracking and breaking around the hinges. And Acer pointed out that they've addressed this issue in their newer devices. So mm-hmm. we, we, we may do an article about it, but long story short, they've done some changes to the hinges of how they're laid into the display and the base of the device to to eliminate that problem because you know end of life on a chromebook six and a half years but if the hinges snap off in two what's the point so yeah and, right. and they pointed out something really cool to us um, this is kind of an aside but you got all these chromebooks that open 180 degrees and i've said multiple times either in reviews yeah. or articles like why is What's this even point, a thing? Yeah. Like, maybe to share it, I guess? I don't know what this is. And they pointed out, A, uh, what Gabe was just saying, the, the reinforced hinges kind of go up into the screen, basically. But then they open up 180 degrees so that kids, they found through research, 
tend to pick their devices up by the screen, by the corners of the screen, just, you know, like rip them up off the desk, which I, I've what never seen. What a painful seen. thought. <laughs> like, but apparently that happens all the time. So uh, the, the, it's meant to open up to basically take that force right. so that it's not being applied to the hinges. So good on them uh, for, for doing their research and, and uh, adjusting accordingly. Absolutely. Yeah, and you, you mentioned Samsung uh, just a minute ago. So let's, let's move on to... Um, some Chromebooks that aren't out yet, but Chromebooks that we are excited about. Yeah, Samsung, the, the Samsung part probably is the most compelling of, of these things. And so um, let's back up real quick and just mention the other ones that are coming. So we have Lux um, and Soraka, which we've been um, uh, following for a little while, and Cheza, I would assume that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Lux being uh, yet another KB Lake powered detachable Chromebook. So that puts us up to three now. So we're looking at Nautilus, Lux, and Soraka. Uh, there is Poppy, which we've been tracking even longer than all of these, but it is clearly made as a reference device. So we see like all of these getting uh, references to Poppy as they're being uh, as they're being made. But um, we don't have a ton of stuff on Lux yet. Mm, we just very detachable little, KB yeah. Lake. Um, and then uh, Soraka, there's nothing necessarily new, but we just kind of wanted to point out the fact that there's now, it's not just one detachable Chromebook, because there's really only one tablet being uh, being worked on, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but um, it seems detachables are the next wave, right? Um, about a year or so ago, we saw uh, convertible Chromebooks was like, that was the next wave. We saw them just coming everywhere. Uh, it seems like detachables are going to be the new thing. So. But the most important one probably right now is is Nautilus, the one Absolutely. that we know most about. So yeah, yeah, it's a don't want to. It's not been in development longer, but it definitely appears to be getting more attention than any other. Mm -hmm. And the features on it, uh, obviously, we we've written quite a bit about Samsung making it and some of the equipment that it has. It has a a camera that is uh, the same unit that's in the LG G6 phone. Uh, just a lot of details on it and um, really expecting to hopefully hear something or see it soon possibly. I'd like to think Samsung's next big phone event, but I doubt it. So, yeah. you know, early spring early. maybe. A lot of people were anticipating it at uh, CES. It was not at CES. There was no mention of it at CES. No. We didn't really expect any mention of it at CES. And we're only, what, six months in or something? Yeah, oh. yeah the, roughly about six months at this point. And, and, you know, Eve was a year, a.k.a. the Pixelbook, was a year in development. Mm -hmm. And granted, the Pixelbook is a new thing, and it has some features that other devices don't. It's still a convertible, so they're the the logistics of designing Eve I'm sure there was a lot that went into it but Nautilus is the first detachable so I would not expect to see it inside of a year yeah yeah and and, and the the interesting pieces on it I mean stowable stylus Samsung made you know, uh, it's going to be the first to usher in apparently video recording on Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. So yeah, well, just uh, that the Sony sensor that's yeah, in the camera I mean, is going to be actually got a decent camera on it. Right. Um, uh, by far the first one, and we've we've even seen quite a bit of just motion on the uh, camera app for Chrome OS mm -hmm. in the repository. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it looks like there's work being done from a camera perspective on this one. Um, there's uh, it's interesting because Samsung's done a lot of devices, and Samsung has obviously the the ability to make uh, things at scale quickly. So even if at a year, I think um, that's that's a quick turnaround to be the first of any type of category for Chrome OS. Um, but I think Samsung can do that. Absolutely. I think they can pull that off. Because yeah. um, I mean, they had 
they had Kevin ready inside of a year too. And right. It would have been one of the earlier uh, convertible stylus toting Chromebooks. There were some hiccups that made them push it back, but um, and that was mainly from Chrome OS's software standpoint. But um, I'm excited, super excited to see what Nautilus ends up being because if it's if it's a detachable version that's faster and better than the Chromebook Pro, that's real compelling. Um, and right, and I think, I think we're look, yeah, we're looking at the same thing. Uh, you know, it's it's mostly about the software. Obviously, Samsung and Microsoft and anyone else already has the capability of making a nice detachable. It's just right. a matter of making Chrome OS work with a nice detachable. Right. And there's just some things that have to get ironed out. I mean, split screen apps, and right. we're going to talk about some of those things in a second. But you know, those things have to get ironed out before a device that can can be used as solely as a tablet. Like the Pixelbook, the Chromebook Pro Plus, all have keyboards always attached to them. So if something's just like, eh, this isn't working so well on the on the tablet side, I can flip my keyboard around and go back to work. But a detachable and or a tablet, there are gonna be times where you might have walked away from your keyboard. There isn't an option to have the keyboard and go get it. You're in a meeting or whatever. Right. So they've gotta iron some of these things out and, and they're working on it. We're seeing We're seeing that across the board, but uh, there's just pieces that need to get fixed. Next evolution, right? So um, speaking of the kind of ever-evolving world of of Chrome OS, um, one thing that we saw at the, uh, what is it, the the British Educational Training and Technology Show, a.k.a. the BET, right? Yeah. Is it is it the bet? I don't is that what it's actually uh, it, in doing some articles on it. It it in the past few years has just been you know uh, truncated to bet. It is bet. referred to as the bet show. The bet show. All right. So out of the bet show, um, one thing that we saw, and this is something that we've done uh, videos on, we've written about it before, but Neverwhere, um, one of their products is called Cloud Ready. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess is that the actual product? So. Um, Cloud Ready, if, if you aren't familiar, is a way um, to get Chrome OS on old PCs or Mac devices. Um, and, you know, it's been out, we've done videos on it, um, but at the Bet Show, um, we saw kind of Google coming together um, with Neverware to kind of really reinforce that relationship. So, right. you know, wh- you know what, what, what did we see there, guys? Um, the, the big deal here is, you know, Neverware has been around for a little while. We have a video, it's actually our most viewed video on our, mm-hmm. on our YouTube channel, um, that um, shows you how to go through this process if you have a supported Chromebook, or a supported Windows or Mac device. Uh, basically, kind of makes it a Chromebook. Uh, and, and as quick as I can be with uh, Cloud Ready Neverware, Cloud Ready is based on Chromium OS, which is the open source platform that Chrome OS is built on. Uh, Chrome OS, um, can have parts of it uh, that are not open source. So uh, play services and stuff like that, for instance, the App Store, that's not open source. Um, and it's the same way with Android. So AOSP is the open source part of Android, but the way Android gets delivered on a Pixel, for instance, is is the some of Google's additional things that are not open source part of the Android open source project. So. Um, when we say that Cloud Ready can turn a device into a Chromebook, you know, we kind of got to put that in parentheses. It, it's kind of uh, doing that. And so it's always, to me, it's always just kind of existed as this other thing that I, I was sure Google was like, hey, that's a neat thing that they're doing. And right. we want to see other people do that. Great. There's Flint OS. There's other ones uh, that take Chromium OS. It's always going to be a little behind Chrome OS, but they take Chromium OS and they deploy it at scale to other devices. But uh, Neverware has been the company that's really pushed this. And I mean, they're, 
they they have huge install bases because they can go to these schools that have old Windows PCs that are that are old enough, and we all know four or five years old, they're not getting along anymore. It's just Windows is not going to run on it very well. They can install uh, via USB Chromium OS on the side, um, see how it runs. If it runs well, they can actually tell it to hey overwrite the entire system. We did so on video, um, and and that device moves crazy fast. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and it was a second generation Core i5. So I mean, many, many, many years old processor and it just flies with, uh, with Neverware uh, cloud ready on it. And so again, I, I've seen this as like this kind of side thing, like you know, Google's fine with it, of course, but I, I never thought that they would fully support it. Right. And, so and, and Google was, still benefits as well, because when, when Neverware goes into a school and they deploy this on 5,000 devices, that school has a, a still has a G Suite account, and they still sure. have management console. They're still paying for whatever the the management licenses are for each of those devices. So Google's still benefiting. So they've always kind of supported Neverware, right. but we've seen in the last six months that support go from support to Google. Google's kind of partnered with Neverware. Yeah. Well, no, they have partnered with yeah, Neverware. Yeah, Neverware was literally at their booth, and they were often yeah. what people could just. You could bring your device yeah, and you they could would switch do, it you for could, you. And I think they may have done this in Orlando too, but you could literally come by, drop off your your compatible uh, Neverware cloud ready compatible device, and they would they would have it ready for you by the end of the day at the show, and you just come by and pick it up. Now I don't I don't they didn't say whether or not they were charging. I don't know. They right. may, probably were doing it for free. Um, but and, so, and this all comes on the heels of just a few months ago. Uh, Neverware's second round of funding, millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, Google yeah. being the major mm-hmm. uh, contributor to that. So yeah, and uh, you know, and they, and they didn't say for sure like whether they were overriding, you know, the the entire OS or they were just sideloading. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what they were doing because again, if if you've never done this, go check the video out and you can kind of see a little bit more about this uh, over at YouTube forward slash Chrome Unboxed, but. The idea being you can actually have Neverware running on a USB stick um, mm-hmm. that just uh, runs at boot. Right. Um, and so you don't even have to overwrite your existing platform. And over <coughs> at Neverware, they have the entire list of all supported. I mean, and it's, gosh, I want to say it, it might be over 500 devices now. Oh, it's at least. least. At I least. least. I mean, the last yeah. I checked was probably eight, nine months ago, and it was 450 back then. So, yeah. And it includes MacBooks and tons yeah. of Windows devices. And then they, they encourage you, here, load this on a USB stick. You know, uh, stick it in your computer and boot up into that USB and just see if it works. Yeah, and if you want to see it working really well, take an old an old MacBook that has the high the high end hardware from four years ago and put Neverware on it. It'll fly. It's 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 quick. Yeah, so very cool thing. Um, and it's just cool to see Google like officially or like really super duper supporting them. Yeah, because like we we knew they were supporting it because of their their funding there. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it, it was just cool to see at the bet show to really see them kind of come together right. um, and kind of partner on this. So it, it is, it's really cool that Google's kind of supporting that. So moving right on though, um, we've got an Acer tablet. Yeah. And that, uh, that, that got pulled from that same show. Right. Um, that was an interesting, an interesting, uh, little bit of a saga there. And, and I want to say, did, did someone hit us up on, on Twitter and just yeah. said, Hey, check this out. And we were like, wait, <laughs> yeah, what? And he, he's removed his tweet, uh, since that time. So, so we'll just, we'll kind of keep it some anonymity there, but it's in our article. If you want to see it, not sure. Obviously this device was not meant to be shown <laughs> at the show. Yeah. So he probably just for, for continuity's sake, removed the tweet, but we do have a picture of it and an article up. Uh, it is a 
we presume 9.7 inch Acer Chrome OS tablet that someone from Acer had on the show floor at Bet. Um, we, we've been told by a couple of different people that clearly it was not meant to be shown, but Acer had intended on hoping to have it ready for the show, but it didn't happen. Um, yeah, and we found a commit uh, just last week, uh, maybe it was just this week, mm-hmm. there was uh, some testing being done on a particular display, and so it was a 9.7 inch display, same resolution as the uh, the newer iPads, you know, the one that, it's a, it's a bonkers resolution, 1586 by whatever. Yeah, it's, I think they just picked some random yeah. numbers and threw them it's a. It's a three by four aspect ratio, 9.7 inches. And from the picture, I mean, it looks, I just, like form factor wise, it looks like an iPad Mm -hmm. uh, with Acer at the bottom. And so um, we're we're fairly certain this is uh, a Chromebook we've been tracking or tablet we've been tracking called um, Scarlet. And so everything seems to line up at this point. It looks like it's gonna be aimed at education. I mean, they took it to an education conference. Um, and in that commit, there was um, there, there's an issue with the display, like having some lines on the screen or something, and they're waiting for Intellux to basically get them some info so that they can, whatever you know, fix that software problem. And and so likely that was probably cropping up. And they said eh, we need to pull this because uh, it's too big of an issue for us to debut this thing right now. Right. And just because they showed it a show doesn't mean they're going to sell it. Tomorrow. Yeah. And that's the thing. Had they even been ready to show it, had the screen issues or whatever not been there, Chrome OS itself still has some things that has to be ironed out before a tablet can go on the public market. So had they even displayed this at bet, it probably would have been, hey, here's something we're working on. It'll be ready Q3. Of, who knows? I mean, I, I, would, I would say we're looking late summer. And, unless a company is trying to push them to have them ready for next school year, I don't see us actually being able to purchase a Chrome tablet for another, another six months maybe. Yeah, um, and, and who knows? I mean, there, there are a couple changes, and, and we're going to talk through a couple of those things here in a second. But, you know, um, I think by summer they could be ready. But they're probably going to position this thing to get into schools' hands. Because it, it, it does seem like, you know, if with the rock chip processor, we're not talking about something that is going to be probably aimed at consumers at this point. So, you know, it'll get into schools' hands, and they'll have it for the fall, likely. But they make those purchasing decisions, I want to say, sometime in May. A lot of times, May and June. Mm -hmm. So they need to have it uh, displayed before then. And I would say since there was a model, they get this little software kink worked out, they can at least get it on showroom floors uh, pretty soon. So cool stuff and exciting to see. It's it's a new form factor. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's just one more more, um, thing that, uh, you know, another device that, that consumers or education, you know, folks might be able to use. So. Right, and we, and we, the Ace, well, not necessarily Acer, but Scarlet that we've been tracking has a stowable stylus, is that correct, I think? Nautilus does, for Nautilus sure. Nautilus does. Scarlet. I believe Scarlet does, Scarlet does as well. Uh, but we did have someone mention that, um, and I can't pronounce it, and I'm not going to, uh, the stylus company had a booth set up there and they were actually used Stadletter Stetler Stetler that's uh, how I was saying it in my yeah, head when I was they, they had a booth set up and they were using that stylus with this tablet and uh, hmm. we, Robbie posted an article about that there's a link on our site uh, they actually have a landing page on their site that shows our style I work with these Chromebooks yep. and it's neat because they have a they look like real pencils and mm-hmm. you know they're obviously geared towards probably elementary students but if you're looking for a stylus that yeah feels like you're holding a pencil it's a good it. choice yeah 
Yeah, it's cool stuff. Um, but speaking of some of those changes that are you know are coming or need to need to come to um, Chrome OS for for this stuff to work, um, you know, split screen, uh, parallel apps, Android app side loading. Let, let's talk through a couple of those. Yeah, so we've uh, we've we've had some quick little videos and articles up uh, in the past couple of weeks about some of these features coming. Uh, they're hit, either hidden behind flags, they're in dev channels or beta, that kind of stuff. But we know they're they're inbound and they're they're on their way. And, and the notable ones for tablets and detachables would be the split screen and the parallel apps. So right. uh, real quickly, split screen obviously is exactly what you'd expect it to be. It's just that when the the device is in tablet mode for convertibles and or it's just a tablet, as we've seen from Acer. Uh, it gives you the ability uh, right now if you open an, any app or any window it's full screen uh, on in tablet mode and then there's a button at the bottom right that looks similar to the same button you would have on your keyboard shortcuts up top that gives you the overview mode and so when you hit that you can drag those smaller windows to the left or to the right and create a split screen just like you would in Android for instance and there's a black bar in the center that helps you divide the screen either into fourths or into halves. Uh, it's, it's pretty straightforward but it's a great multitasking um, uh, way to, to use a tablet interface um, because not all Android apps are going to work that well you know in, in full screen and all that kind of stuff and that doves right, dovetails right into um, the parallel apps feature and so uh, Android apps now are, are going to be able to uh, run in parallel with one another so um, again trying to keep this truncated and you can get more details and see a video of this actually happening on the website chromeunbox.com but Parallel apps right now on Android, there's a lot of apps whenever you exit an app, because you're on a phone usually, it pauses state in the background to save battery. It makes sense. We don't really want that on Chrome OS though, because we have three or four windows open and you, you have can a see game them all at here. the same time. Yeah. yeah, and I got Google Analytics running over here, whatever running over here. When I click away from a particular uh, window, I really don't expect that thing to just stop moving. Uh, that's just not the expected behavior on a desktop. And so this actually solves that issue. Um, we, we were able to open up Monument Valley and have mm -hmm. the music was playing and right. things were moving over here while checking Google Analytics and seeing real-time viewers on the website while you know clicking. I don't remember what the other app was. But all those things were running. It didn't matter which one you were clicked on or interacting with. There was no pause state happening. And so that mixed with split-screen apps, because split-screen apps are actually coming to Android too. So there's, right. it's right. not just... Uh, right now behind a flag you can enable the flag we have on the website and the, the, the website stuff works so anything that's Chrome OS related can go in a split screen but um, this actually enables Android apps to take advantage of that same thing too so all of these things are like either behind like I said behind flags or in development but yeah. it's all going to congeal right. to this really cool right. experience on tablets that and when we're speaking before of tablets like the software needs to evolve before tablets are, are, are a good fit for anyone these things need to happen. Like right. this stuff needs to get right. Fixed. Especially like you know, I'm thinking <clears throat> on a plane, you have a, a Chrome tablet and uh, the Netflix Android app and Monument Valley side by side, split screen, and I'm watching a movie I've downloaded while I'm playing the game and right. you know, entertaining myself. And yeah, I mean, and and you kind of mentioned this, Joe, like the idea of just Android. Uh, app side loading right now you've got to put your Chromebook in developer mode and I just want to mention that's just another thing that's getting developed that it's going to behave more like our phones like you expect if I if I want to take the risk and download an APK and it says hey this is this could hurt your phone this could do a thing but I've downloaded it from something that I trust like APK mirror for instance I just want to be able to say you know what I'm a big boy 
go ahead and install that. Right, right now in your Chromebook, you just can't. Um, so that's going away as well. So they're gonna, it, it'll be handled the same way Android does, where you just flip that switch in your settings and you can sideload apps. And so all this stuff really is, is gonna congeal, I think, to make the tablet experience, the Android experience, just 100% better on Chromebooks. And we're seeing all of it in, in, in motion already. So it's not like, oh, right. well, one day we'll have this. Like, no, it's, it's all it's stuff pretty that's happening. Close. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. It's all stuff that's happening. And, and like you said, it'll, it'll, it'll all come together, right? right? <laughs> it'll, it'll all come together and there will be kinks that will you know, need to be worked out. But um, you know, that's the beauty of Chrome OS. It's constantly evolving you know, as these new devices are coming out, you know, just like any software, right? I mean, you're, 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 you're tweaking the software to make it work with those particular devices. So, um, so yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but uh, moving on here, um, we recently uh, found some really interesting kind of web-based um, gaming. Um, specifically using uh, what, what I believe is WebGL. Is that right, Robbie? Yep. So um, some, some, some really interesting games that are running in a browser. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, like graphic-intensive games that are running in a browser. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we put, we put some links on the website and places. There's lots of places. I mean, you literally can just search... Uh, uh, WebGL games and, mm-hmm. and find all kinds of like Paco games is, is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, it, it, it literally is a, a 3d gaming. So like a lot of multiplayer first person shooters, yeah. um, you just jump in, you can create an account if you want, or you can just play as a guest, jump into a room and, and start going at it. And I mean, it looks like stuff that would have been on a computer. I don't know what, six years ago yeah, yeah. Five but years that, ago. that's what was so cool to me because I mean I, I, I'm a I'm a day of defeat kind of guy you know I like gun game and stuff like that and you, if you've played those games you know it has that older look but you know it's meant to be that way it's supposed to be lightweight because sure. it is online and now you have a a browser rendering I don't, what was the name of the game and the one that bullet, we were bullet force bullet force I mean, it, it was like playing Day of Defeat, uh, yeah. the, the Steam, the Source games from Steam, and I mean, it was exciting. Just open up a web browser and start playing a game. You yeah. know, no software to you know. I've, I've ran Steam on my Chromebook, but you have to have Linux installed and all that. And now I can just hop online and blow some stuff up real quick if I'm in the mood. Sure. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff comes from you know, Chrome uh, took away support for the Unity Web Player, which is a plugin, pretty heavy plugin. Um, and then other browsers, like Firefox, dropped it. And so I think Unity's finally just come to the end and said, hey, we're not doing this anymore. And, and they're pushing their game developers to say, hey, look, WebGL is a legitimate platform with HTML5 that you can deploy these same types of games that you were building in, in the web player just with, with web standards instead. And so um, that's exciting to see because, you know, ultimately, eventually, this becomes a situation where you roll up to a website and maybe you pay for your subscription or whatever. You know, you pick the game you want and it just loads up in the just browser, yeah. hit full screen and you go. Like there's, forget downloading this, forget installing that. It literally just opens up, plays in your browser and you just move on. When yeah. you want to try something else. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. I, I see like Facebook games, for instance, you know, they've oh, got absolutely. a pretty big install base. They're going that route and just saying, hey, look, you know, you can play literally all of this stuff and what? interact with people online and not have to download anything. What was that? Uh, what was that like farm game that you could play? Was it on Facebook? The Farmville. All... Yeah. Farmville? Was that was that was that on yeah. Facebook? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Let's bring back Farmville. So. 
Uh, all right, moving on. Or, on or that not. note, on that note, moving right on. Uh, we've got some Google stuff to talk through. Um, c- couple things here. Um, let's start. Let's start with the bad thing, and then we'll move on to the cool stuff. Um, supervised users. We. Uh, I think this was happening while we were at CES, so first of the year, yeah. um, there was some some issues, let's just say, um, that that came to the surface, and, and we were investigating, and, and Gabriel, you really kind of dug in here, so what can you tell folks about what happened? And So, the supervised users, uh, Google has... Uh has kind of out of the blue just said, hey, we're, we're dropping it. We're, we're getting ready to supervise users, and they've talked for a long time about replacing it they've talked for a long time about a a new new way of doing this uh but they've they've never they've not detailed any of that and they just out of nowhere said we're taking it away so as of i think it was january 15th or 18th uh it no longer exists it it, you can't manage the chromebooks anymore you can't set up new accounts you can't change accounts whatever supervised users you had in place when this happened they're still there but you can't do anything with them um, there are some alternatives. Uh, we have an article on the site about Moby Sip, which is a good alternative. I will go ahead and tell you, I, I've installed it and I've used it. The only drawback of Moby Sip right now is that there is not support for Android on Chromebooks. So if you're looking for a, an alternative where you can manage all your devices, Moby Sip is really good. But if you have an Android enabled Chromebook, you have no way to prevent the other users from downloading loading apps from the Play Store. I've been in touch with them, uh, actually spoken with them a couple times this week. They are in the process of updating to a new platform, and they, they have some things that are supposed to handle that. Um, but as of right now, there's not really a great alternative. Um, I did see a very lengthy forum post in the Chromebook Central Forum about setting up a G Suite for free account and a way that you can do that or I think all in all it ends up costing you like $50 a year which if you use supervised users you know that you had to have your own domain so you were paying for a domain anyway right. $50 a year if you really need to lock down your devices if you if you're really into you know monitoring that things and 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 kudos to you if you, if you're doing that uh, $50 a year, there is is a way to manage that, and I'll get something published this week so you guys can see the steps of how to do that. But all in all, Google has kind of dropped the ball on this, and they're not giving users any idea of what's next. Sure. They're just, it's it's one of those coming soon things. So Yeah, yeah so it's a bummer. Yeah. So, Super yeah. unfortunate. Moving, moving on. So. <laughs> moving right on. Uh, so... Uh, something cool that we've seen is Fuchsia. So we've known for a little bit that Fuchsia is coming um, or that it's in development, not necessarily that it's coming, who knows, Google may just not do anything else with it, but we have at least um, seen some videos out there, I think Ars Technica Ars Technica is that how you say it? How do you say it? Ron, Ron Ron. Amadeo (laughs) So Ron, I think when he says his name Ron Amadio. All right. Well, Ron, sorry, Ron. We're just gonna we can't, we're, we're gonna, gonna butcher your name and your website. Yeah. So sorry. it's just Ron. We'll still um, read your stuff though. So anywho, like, they, Ron they, from ours. Y- yeah, yeah, Ron from ours. Ron from ours. <laughs> Not Mars. Put, <laughs> put up uh, put up uh, s- some info and uh, in a video um, showing Fuchsia running on a Chromebook. Um, so what is Fuchsia and and what did we see and yeah, just tell folks about this. Yeah, I mean in a nutshell, it's a it's an it's a new OS. Um, nobody knows exactly what it's for. And Google's been tight-lipped. 
but they have said it's not a throwaway project. Mm -hmm. It's not uh, a thing that they're just farting around with. It's it's legit. It's going to be something. And, and from the looks of what Ron posted, this isn't because uh, there was some thought. Maybe it's an IoT thing or you know that kind of deal. Yeah. Now yeah. this is this is legit. I mean, it's showing what it's going to do on a phone, what it's going to do on a tablet, what it's going to do on a desktop, how it's going to reorient things, and and honestly, the user interface already is something very different. Very, uh, it, very different, and and certain things about it are very impressive. Uh, the opening uh, of the video, you see Ron scaling the window to more of a phone size yeah. and then a full screen and just the UI by just itself is gorgeous. It really mm -hmm. is. And, and just, just so you know, he didn't have this running on just a Chromebook. He had this running on like a thousand dollar pixel book. So he just yeah. decided to put fuchsia on a pixel. <laughs> yeah. And it was a, it, it, there, there are a lot of steps cause we looked at it when they, when we, they first announced that they were going to have it uh, being developed on a pixel book. Of course we were like, Oh cool. Let's do it. And yeah. No, I looked at the steps and was like, ah, no, no we'll pass. this isn't like <laughs> downloading an app on your phone. There's a, it, it requires two devices and yeah. it's a, there's a lot it's of work. A, it's a lengthy process. So kudos to Ron for, for yeah, getting that rolling that for us. <laughs> um, but, uh, so it, that we it, didn't have to, yeah, Thank you. most of it, most of it doesn't work and that's fine. Uh, but it gives us clear indication that, uh, you know, this is this is going to end up being a pretty big project. And yeah. you got to think things like Android were five, six years in development. So we're probably not going to see anything substantial from Fuchsia uh, probably for the next four years, maybe, yeah. um, at best. I mean, we're going to see stuff like this since it's being developed in the open. Um, but they're moving to a different kernel. Uh, and I, yeah, and that's kind of the big part is uh, they've built this on their own kernel. So I think a lot of it is probably future-proofing for Google, sure. and there is no telling where it'll go. If things stay the way they are and they keep moving forward with Chrome OS and whatnot, you know, they might turn Fuchsia into another messaging app, who knows? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, just, we just don't know, but it's cool to see it developing. It's cool to kind of keep track of it, but for those of you yeah. who are listening and going, oh God, you know, is Chrome OS going away or is Android going away? No, not no. anytime soon. And the, you know, the only logical step with Android having the market penetration it does and then Chrome OS having the penetration it does already in education. And by the time Fuchsia gets ready to even be deployed, like the only thing that would make any logical sense would be for Fuchsia to be able to somehow run or encapsulate what these two operating systems already do uh, seamlessly. Like there's no way Google's going to be like, hey, by the way, we're ditching that stuff. We're going to do a new thing. So all you developers rewrite all your stuff like this right. is not going to happen. Right. So. Um, rest assured, it's a. It's going to take a little while. B. The operating systems you know and love aren't going anywhere. And C. If and when they do, the the transition will have to be seamless because of the market penetration Google has with what they already it, have in the market. Right. And like you said, I mean, in the videos, this is this was some really nerdy stuff to get this up and running. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was not like, oh, hey, we're going to install this, you know, you know, uh, APK we found or what, no. not APK or you know, whatever. I mean, it was it was pretty intense. So this is this is far off, and it's cutting edge. It's the next step. It's some cool things that that we're taking a look at. Switching gears, we've got um, some really cool Google Assistant stuff happening in the market. Um, we were out at CES, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, uh, first of the year, and we saw the Google Assistant everywhere, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. I mean, on in products, train, on the train, on signs, on hotels. billboards. I mean, you 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 would walk down the strip, and there would be massive, massive. Hey Google. You know, hey everywhere. Google stuff everywhere. everywhere. Oops, and sorry. oh yeah, sorry. Hey, sorry about that, folks. Yep, mine just popped Faux up. Bon. All right, so the the keyword. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just everywhere, and and you know, we were we were having some discussions while while we were out there. You know, you 
you see the Google Assistant stuff, and you see Alexa, and you see Bigsby, and you know, yeah, you go into the Who? the Samsung booth. No, what's that? You go into the <laughs> Samsung booth, and it's all, hey, this is all connected through Bigsby, and your washer and dryer can be connected to your Bigsby, and yada yada yada. So you know, it's it's really cool um, to see Google kind of stepping up and saying, hey, nah, nah, hey, check this out, check out Google Assistant. I mean, it was just everywhere. So. Um, you know, there were some really cool devices that we saw, um, so maybe we can talk about that a little bit. But um, just some really cool stuff with Google Assistant going on right now. Yeah, if you did, if you didn't know any better, you would think that Google hosted CES. <laughs> oh my gosh! Literally, like everywhere you went, every hotel's marquee had a Hey Google ad on it, and it was Google everything. Stop saying the keyword. Sorry, I don't. Know. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> There's a mini over there. Sorry. Yeah. Well, that, and I think that that leads us right into this this idea that that Google Assistant's finally rolling out the ability to change your hot word. Right. So uh, it had all of us had the ability to change our hot word. Mine's going to be pewter. I want to be able to say, "Hey, pewter!" Like, like ba- Lego Batman. Um, that's absolutely going to be what happens. I don't Such know a what nerd. Oh yeah. Such a nerd. But so, <laughs> once everybody had their own hot word, you know, like that, I set that uh, home mini up that just went off over there, so it would only respond. Now it's still going to respond to the keyword, um, but if I get trained to, to refer to mine as pewter. Then it's not. That's not going to set off anybody else's you device. You have to say when it in the Batman voice. Though. I know. I'm, I'm going to train it to, <laughs> to do that, so that every time I have to say, "Hey, pewter." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. The, the, those key, the hot words are coming uh, to be able to change those. Uh, Nine to five did a really cool APK teardown, and yeah, it's all those lines of code in there. So soon you're going to be able to actually change and say things other than okay g and hey g yeah. you'll be able to you know put in whatever it is you want um, like i said those other ones have to continue working because the google home device has to be able to respond to anyone that talks to it right and so they're not locked to just individual right. users so right. they've got to keep those keywords so you know what just happened as far as us setting off devices by saying that key phrase well that's just not going to go anywhere but it gets mitigated a little bit because when I'm talking to my device, I don't end up talking. Because I mean, we have Google Homes. Everywhere. We have a Home Max here that we're reviewing right now, which, by the way, is bonkers. Um, and, and so <laughs> that cool list. And, and everybody's got Pixels and, and and Android phones and and the Pixel Book. You know, there's just all kinds of things that get set off with that hot word. So uh, not having to say that all the time would be uh, would be pretty cool. Quite. Beneficial. Yeah. So uh, w- one other quick thing before we wrap this up, and I, I just want to talk about this because. It was one thing that we saw at CES that that really um, kind of caught my attention, um, and that was the smart displays from Google. Um, so this is a new realm of devices um, that Google is going to be ro- rolling out with with other partners. They're not producing anything um, at this moment or manufacturing anything at this moment. Um, but essentially, if you've seen the Amazon Show, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Echo Show. Show um, similar device. Uh, so the one that, that we got um, kind of a hands-on with, uh, and we've got a video on it uh, on the YouTube channel, um, but it was the Lenovo Smart Display. Mm-hmm. Um, just brilliant, brilliant engineering. The thing is beautiful. Um, you know, you could set it up on a counter and it would blend right in. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, you're pairing a uh, visual uh, display with the Google Assistant, um, which, you know, the, the Google Assistant works great with just audio, but when you pair it with, with visuals, it takes it to a whole nother level. Absolutely. I mean, you know, being able to ask about the weather and see it on a screen 
you know, rather yeah. than just having to hear it and remember it, you know, you can actually look at it and see it. You know, the one thing they walked through with us was the, the good morning queue and being able to kind of have all your things in a, in a queue when you first wake up. Right. Um, really, really interesting stuff that Google's working on there. Um, and, and, you know, we saw a couple of those devices. The Lenovo one was just the one that we got some hands-on time with. Yeah, um, and, and like to, to bring that point home, I think, you know, one of the, the coolest things they showed us, if you haven't ever played this on uh, Google Home, oh, yeah. is the yeah, Feeling uh, Lucky. Uh, Lucky game. It's, it's trivia, you know. And it's fine to play over the speaker and, and interact that way, but they pulled up that exact same game, played the same way, except you could touch the answers on the screen and it had a nice graphical interface and it just took the whole experience to a kind of a different level Absolutely. Um, and and to me that just sold me on the idea that man like i still think we're on the 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 very you know edge the, the beginning part <laughs> yeah. of, of what assistants can do anyway to begin with like we're, we're seeing those experiments and stuff um of what they can do with audio and it's like wow they've just opened a massive door to all the new stuff that they could think of to do with these, um, so it's it's exciting to see all that kind of stuff. Right, right. And another example they used, and this is something that if you have a Google Home, you may have used. But if you're if you're in the kitchen cooking or doing something like that, mm. you can yeah, talk to recipes. Google Home. You can send recipes to it, and that's super. It's super cool, and it's really helpful. But the smart display takes it one step further because if you really want to be hands free while you're cooking, then. I think the theirs was the example they used was rosemary. They were they yeah. had a recipe that was using rosemary and it it taught, how to prepare it. Yeah, how to prepare rosemary. And if you're a rookie cook, you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know how to do that. You can literally say, you know, ask it to show you, and it'll pop up a YouTube video of what to do, right. how to prep whatever you're doing. Can, keeps you completely hands free. So yeah. for people who are wondering what the use cases here are, there's a lot. And yeah, as Robbie said. We've really kind of only touched, barely touched base on it. You know, they've talked about finally bringing routines yeah. uh, that they talked about at I.O. where you'll come in, you'll tell the display good morning, and it'll walk you through whatever your yeah. your morning, your schedule is, and you can that it'll send directions to your phone and things of that nature. The the possibilities are really endless. They yeah. really are. And it's exciting to see see what they're going to do. And I, and I want to uh, bring up one last note. Uh, we we spoke to the folks at uh, JVC, and uh, we've mm. got. We've got, we're trying to figure out how to put this little video together, and, and um, not exactly sure how we're going to present it, but uh, a quick sneak peek into this. Um, we sat down with one of their head engineers, and he was telling us about, you know, as we walked in, some of the basic stuff they had on display, you know, connected speakers, you know, Chromecast-enabled TVs. Yeah, yeah. and we were like, oh, we've oh, seen cool. this stuff and before. You know, we're here. We'll do our appointment because we made the appointment, and we'll talk to him. And he sat and just and, and told us kind of about their vision, about what they're wanting to do, and uh, and how they're wanting to integrate their products. And the, the most brilliant part of all of it is they've chosen not to bundle all of their stuff with another layer of software. Right. So, um, for instance, and I'm not knocking on Philips Hue, it's just the easiest uh, example most people would know. If you go buy five Philips Hue bulbs, you also need to buy the bridge. And so when the you get home, whatever they, yeah, call and they call it the bridge. And so you go home, you plug your bridge in, you get the Philips Hue app, you you connect your bridge to your app, you set up all your lights via the bridge, and then you connect the bridge to the Google Home or Alexa or whatever else is you're using, and then you can talk to your Philips Hue stuff through the assistant. Um, and for a lot of people, honestly, it's just too convoluted. Uh, people just aren't going to do that. Right. Um, and I've I've done some of those steps with different devices, and, and it works and it's okay. But it feels a little weird and a little bolted on. What JVC is doing is instead saying, you know what, we're not going to do that. Um, we're going to we're going to 
basically take the high road. So they're not going to use an app that's going to collect more data or do anything additional or be confusing at all. Simply just like a Google device, you could buy any of these JVC devices and plug it in and the Google Home app will see it. The Google Home app will set it up. The Google Home app will deal with it. Right. And I can't express how much I love this idea mm-hmm. because I would love, like they had a light bulb that has a speaker built into so it, which is so cool. cool. Um, it, so I mean, your lamps and your can lights and your ceiling and stuff could have speakers in them. And I don't have to run them through a JVC app and set them up. I literally plug them in and open up Google Home. It's going to see it just like it would see a Chromecast or a Google Home device. It's going to see it, allow me to go through a setup process, and I can use it. Um, right. and, and that, and to me, that makes me want to, when these products start coming out from them, I want to in, uh, invest my money in that stuff because I don't want the other layer of software. Right, and right. That, and that's kind of their whole vision is that you have everything's built off of that. If you whatever functions like their smart televisions this one was huge to me their smart tv whatever functions are available on that tv are are available through the assistant right uh you know lg just came out with a new line of televisions and they're they're phenomenal they're great but they're running the assistant then of course they have web os running which we love web os but still they have their own uh, assistant built in as yeah. well. So mm-hmm. you have two assistants on one TV. <laughs> the LG assistant's capable of doing contextual search and things that the Google assistant's not, and then the Google assistant can do. And it it's just convoluted. Consumers don't want that. LG, listen, consumers don't want that. When people go buy an Android phone, they want to turn it on and they want to recognize Android. They want right. to know I click the Play Store and download my apps. They want to know that my phone's capable of doing this. They don't care why or how, and they don't want to have to set it up. Uh, the CTO that we spoke with from JBC has his vision of saying, we're going to build off of Android things and Google Assistant, and right. if the Google Assistant can do it, that's it's going to be done through the Google Assistant, yeah. and that's and the so, way it should be. And so, I mean, we just, I, I, anyone listening, if you consider buying a JVC product or considering it in the future, like... Until other companies come on board, I, I can't recommend them enough. You know, of saying, you know, look, just because they're taking this route, it's it's the better way. Uh, it's similar to when companies finally started making stock Android phones. It's mm-hmm. like, thank you. Make great hardware, but stop messing with the software. Stop, stop convoluting it. Stop adding stuff that doesn't need to be there. It, the, the, the tools are in place already. Just use them and, and build cool hardware around that. And I think JVC is on the road to, to doing just that. You can find show notes over at chromeonebox.com forward slash podcast, along with tons of other info covered in this episode. Additionally, you can find us online on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus by searching at Chrome Unboxed. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.